Uh, well, good afternoon from London um, for a special uh, webinar today uh, focused on financial centres in Scotland, um, looking particularly at Edinburgh and Glasgow. Uh, we're very pleased to have with us today Sandy Begby, CBE, uh, Chief Executive of Scottish Financial Enterprise, who's going to be talking through um, you know, where the Scottish financial centres currently sit. Uh, in terms of uh, thanks for today, um, you'll have seen the logos up on, uh, up on screen and, uh, as always, uh, would like to thank our uh, sponsors at the FS Club for allowing us to uh, range far and wide uh, across the agendas of finance, innovation and technology. Um, I'm Mike Wardle, I'm the Chief Executive Officer at the ZN Group um, and I'll be your Chair for today. Um, and just a few pointers uh, as to the uh, webinar today. First of all, my job is really to introduce, but to get out of your way so you can hear uh, from Sandy uh, and his presentation. Uh, Sandy will speak for about 20 minutes and there'll be plenty of time for uh, questions and answers uh, at the end of the session. Uh, if you've used the GoToWebinar platform before, uh, you'll know how to uh, ask a question. If you haven't, uh, if you look at the dashboard on the right-hand side of your screen, you'll see a question tab uh, into which you can type your question and that'll come to us uh, and we'll field those as part of the Q&A. Uh, the session is being recorded today and uh, will be available uh, within maybe 24 hours, 48 hours after the event. Um, so you can watch it again, of course, but also you can share it with any colleagues uh, who you think might find it interesting. So without any further ado, uh, I'd like to introduce uh, Sandy Begby, um, Chief Executive of Scottish Financial Enterprise, but with a, a long history uh, of working in financial services, not only in Scotland, uh, but in Asia. Um, and you know, really interested to hear uh, what Sandy's going to bring us this afternoon. Over to you, Sandy. Great, thanks, Mike, and, and good afternoon, uh, everyone uh, who's in the UK, and good morning and good evening to uh, anyone who's joining uh, from different parts of the different parts of the world. So, um, as Mike said, I'm going to speak for uh, about 20 minutes, uh, just to give you a sense of uh, financial services uh, here in Scotland focus on Edinburgh and Glasgow uh, as international financial centres and then we'll have plenty of time for questions uh, at the end. Uh, so, but just to start us off, um, I, uh, I'm going to pose a question uh, to the group. Uh, so, um, we'll take a, a few seconds for you to, to give the answer and then we'll, we'll see uh, what was the total exports for financial and business services growth sector um, uh, in 2020, so this is exports from Scotland, as 5 billion, 10 billion, 12 billion, 16 billion or 20 billion. So if you could select uh, one of those, then we'll see what the results produce. Okay, well, we, um, uh, we have a tie at 16 billion and 20 billion. Um, so I'm delighted to say that 38% uh, of you got it correct. It's just switched 38%. Well, it's 16 billion uh, in 2020. So uh, it gives you a sense of the scale um, uh, of exports uh, and the importance uh, for Scotland of our sector in that export uh, space. And, and it has been on a growth trajectory for a, a number of years now. So let's move on to the next slide, just to give you a better sense of the scale of financial and related uh, professional services industry here in, in Scotland. And we're uh, just short of 9% of the national economy uh, by gross value add, uh, and then just short of 6% of national employment, which is around 
150,000 jobs in the private sector. We're the second largest uh, employer in the, in the private sector, uh, and that job number has remained uh, fairly stable uh, over a number of years. Um, and um, uh, as I say, it contributes significantly also, given our relatively high um, salary base, uh, to the tax uh, base here in Scotland. <clears throat> We're the second largest financial services hub in the UK, uh, outside of uh, London and South East. Uh, and we've got over 350 years of history uh, in financial services, um, which is hugely important in certain parts of the world. Um, Mike referenced in his introduction that I'd spent quite a bit of time in Asia, and specifically in China and uh, Hong Kong, uh, but also some time in India. Uh, and Scotland's reputation in financial uh, services uh, travels very well into uh, particular parts of uh, Asia, who uh, during my time in Standard Life were keen to be associated uh, with the sector and the firm, uh, given our uh, uh, longevity uh, in the market. Uh, also, we've had huge success in fintech and fintech Scotland, um, uh, highest rated in Europe for cluster management, uh, and I'll touch on a little bit more under Edinburgh. Uh, we now have a really strong uh, fintech cluster of well over 200 uh, fintechs uh, here in uh, Edinburgh, but increasingly moving outside of Edinburgh to other parts of uh, Scotland. And we also have four Scottish universities ranked in the top uh, 1% worldwide. And in fact, just two weeks ago, uh, St Andrews University was rated the top university here in the UK. So. Scotland's history, again, in further and higher education uh, is a key contributor to one of the key assets that we have as an industry uh, here in Scotland. So if we move on to the next slide. So Edinburgh, which has uh, traditionally been the focus uh, of financial and professional services, um, uh, over 50,000 jobs or, or just over 50,000 jobs here in the, in the capital. Uh, all key industry sectors represented, but we are especially well known for fund management uh, and banking. Uh, and while that fund management focus may well be the, the, the household names that you'd recognise, for example, Bailey Gifford and Aberdeen, we also have uh, many smaller uh, boutique asset management uh, firms here in, here in Edinburgh who um, you know, manage the, uh, billions of pounds of, uh, of assets. Uh, and also banking, uh, obviously, NatWest, uh, its uh, you know, head office uh, is in, in, in Edinburgh, but also uh, we still have a significant presence amongst all the main banks and Lloyds Banking Group through the uh, ownership of Bank of Scotland um, uh, and also uh, other, other uh, household names. So banking equally is, is strong here in Edinburgh. Uh, and we should also just call out the life and pensions industry as well, where you do have uh, Standard Life as part of the Phoenix Group. We've got a big presence here from Royal London. Obviously, Scottish Widows as part of the um, Lloyds Banking Group, uh, and also Aegon uh, uh, as well, just to name uh, some others. It equates to 14% of jobs uh, in the city and almost 30% uh, of the local economy, um, which is quite uh, significant. And uh, was rated 27th in the most recent Global Financial Centre Index report. Uh, just published uh, the, the other day. Uh, well, that represents a slight fall from 21st in 2021, uh, and clearly uh, it's important that we understand what sits behind that, that fall, 
Um, clearly, Edinburgh still holds a significant uh, presence in the uh, in the index itself. If you look a little bit below uh, Edinburgh uh, and just some of the recent developments and investments that we've had, we can continue to see um, uh, the city going from strength to strength. And we're starting to see some real developments in the area of uh, data, for example, where Edinburgh University uh, have set themselves an objective of being um, the top university in Europe uh, for data, uh, data management, uh, data strategies. And as a result of that, we've really started to see some of that broader investment coming into other financial and related uh, services here in, uh, in the city. So, um, you know, a, a recent example was just uh, uh, last year when uh, Capco uh, uh, almost doubled their headcount here in the city. Uh, and we also have uh, increasing presences uh, among some of the US banks um, who have also extended uh, their headcount and are in the process of doing so to take um, advantage uh, of that university sector and that focus uh, on, uh, on data. And of course, asset managers as well, um, particularly in that ESG space, then again, uh, Scotland has a, a strong reputation in that ESG area, which we cannot be complacent about, but it's really important that uh, we leverage the assets that we've, we have, uh, and clearly the university um, and universities is, is, a, is a key part of that. Um, so Edinburgh, um, again, I also touched on earlier about FinTech, it has been a huge success story. When I, I came into this job two years ago, uh, we had just over 130 fintechs here in Edinburgh, um, uh, but now that, that number is well over uh, 200. And what we're seeing is investment coming from North America. Australia has equally been very successful. Um, uh, uh, but however, again, it's important, as you'll have seen from the Global Financial Centre Index report, that many cities in the world have a focus on fintech, and it's really important that we continue to invest uh, and develop that uh, as a key part of, a, um, of the, uh, the sector. The final thing I would say is uh, about um, uh, Edinburgh's also professional services uh, firms, which um, you know, we have a, a, a long history of having all the, the main four firms represented, but increasingly also much more UK and local firms in that uh, audit, accountancy, uh, compliance, risk area, specialist consultancies, which uh, also continue to grow as the broader sector grows, so we get that positive uh, uh, knock-on uh, impact. If we move on to the next uh, slide, uh, and specifically looking at uh, Glasgow, um, and there's a lot, of, there's a lot bit more of a story behind uh, uh, Glasgow, which um, uh, you know the, the headline numbers: forty thousand jobs, uh, clearly it's a significant number of jobs, and the strengths in banking uh, and insurance. Um, but in the, the shape of Glasgow and the sector has changed uh, over the years that I've been involved in uh, financial services here in Scotland. Um, where Glasgow historically was uh, predominantly associated with what would be referred to as back office uh, and voice, um, uh, so you would say the more operational uh, end of financial services. Over the last few years, uh, it has definitely changed uh, shape. Uh, most notably, uh, you've had, for example, investment uh, by Barclays, you know, significant investment of hundreds of millions in a new campus uh, in, the, in the city centre, um, which has a capacity uh, of uh, just around 5,000 people at the moment, uh, and that will continue to, to grow. But they've taken um, the strategic decision to place a strategic hub 
uh, in Glasgow, focusing around uh, tech, but also around second and third line uh, roles, innovation. We've got an eco lab um, around supporting uh, startup and uh, innovative companies as part of that campus as well. So, very impressive uh, uh, investment. Um, but then you've also seen investment from people like Morgan Stanley uh, and JP Morgan, who um, JP Morgan themselves are, are building a whole new campus in Glasgow, which they'll move into next year, uh, and have really made that their uh, centre for technology uh, across uh, across Europe, and will ultimately be employing uh, uh, up to 3,000 people. And Morgan Stanley announced just the other week there another 200 jobs being added in Glasgow again, um, in much more what we'd say is um, high value uh, end roles. So Glasgow as its profile over the years has increasingly uh, changed, um, and as a result, attracting a, a higher paid a, and more professional jobs into into the industry. You've obviously still got strength, huge strengths in the university sector. You've got University of Glasgow, Strathclyde, um, uh, together with a very strong college sector, um, uh, and um, uh, you know that also supports the uh, the development of the industry. With Barclays, for example, with the number of jobs that they looked at, they partnered very effectively with the universities and colleges um, to access uh, uh, access that talent. So, almost uh, nine and a half percent of jobs uh, in the city, um, so not far off the same level as, as in, in Edinburgh. Eighteen uh, percent of um, the local economy comes from our sector, um, and forty third in the most recent uh, uh, index. Um, However, what I would point out that Glasgow has moved up substantially from uh, being, I think it was around about 64th or 65th a couple of years ago. Um, so it's seen real uh, significant steps up the index as a lot of these investments uh, have, have come through. And again, as a result of those investments, we've also seen um, uh, the strength of the professional services network also grow. Uh, PwC, for example, earlier this year announced um, 100 new roles in the financial services practice, and many of them based in Glasgow. And you've got other bodies like ACCA as well, who also continue to grow and develop their profile in Glasgow. So that core investment then has a positive effect in other areas. And some of the legal firms as well, both in Edinburgh and Glasgow, have also expanded their footprint as our industry has grown and developed. Go to the next slide, please. And maybe just touch on a little bit about the key strengths as a location um, uh, and why is Scotland uh, being successful in that in that regard. A couple of key points I would um, might make reference here. One is uh, EY produce um, a, a um, report on foreign direct investment uh, each year. Um, Scotland has continued to come out strongly uh, in that report. Um, very often, uh, in fact, eight times in the last ten years, it's been number two to London. So uh, we are, uh, you know, we are very strong in uh, attracting that uh, overseas investment. So therefore, you ask the question: you know, why, why does the industry and the sector uh, continue to perform uh, strongly in that regard? And we think it comes down to sort of three or four key uh, key reasons. First and forth, uh, first, and the thing that comes up consistently when I speak to uh, both businesses that are here in Scotland, but also looking to invest in Scotland, maybe for the first time, 
is the depth, breadth and maturity of our financial services ecosystem. As I mentioned earlier, you know, over 350 years, um, uh, the, uh, the sector has been growing and developing. Um, importantly, um, all areas of the sector are represented um, at scale. So whether you are um, a, a, a private equity firm, um, whether you're an angel investor, whether you are you know, um, uh, looking at, for example, uh, accessing a public investment through, for example, the recently launched um, Scottish National Investment Bank, right through to mainstream banks, asset managers, life and pension firms, uh, but also the broader professional services uh, sector it is extremely mature. And what that means is if you choose to come to Scotland, um, then there is a ready-made ecosystem uh, for firms to plug into. And when I, as I say, when I speak to investors and firms, that's one of the key attractions um, that maybe makes uh, Scotland and Mavasco stand out a little bit from uh, other parts of the UK other than London. Um, but also in some ways, um, Scotland's size also plays to its advantage, whereby um, it's relatively easy uh, to make those connections, to have the right conversations and to get time with key people um, and, and right across um, that ecosystem. It's also important that we, um, at that uh, depth, breadth and maturity also reflects the fact that we take, take account of assets at a UK level. Um, we benefit hugely from having a, 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 a highly regarded UK regulatory regime, one of the uh, best regarded in the world. Um, it obviously has a, a long legacy uh, of, um, of performing uh, really well and that's a real strength that we uh, look to leverage. Um, but also we uh, take advantage of um, issues that are devolved to the Scottish Parliament. Um, one in particular that's of interest to us is around skills uh, and the way that our, in our industry uh, can really try and influence how the follow on higher education, secondary education system works to ensure that that flow of talent is coming into uh, our industry. Uh, earlier this year, at the end of April, we lodged our skills and inclusion uh, uh, plan for the industry. Uh, in collaboration with our members, uh, we reckon there's about 50,000 uh, opportunities in our industry over the next three years, covering a range of um, skill areas from data, cyber, um, uh, digitalization, uh, AI, customer journey, um, product uh, design. Uh, and that's maybe a different skill set or certainly an increase in the requirement in those skill sets than we may have had in the past. Um, but 50,000 opportunities, that's more or less to support um, uh, the turnover in the sector with a bit of growth. Uh, but we've gone out to further higher education, asking for them to engage with us about how they can best respond to our demand as a, as a sector. Um, and that then leads us into talent and innovation, you know, connectivity with our universities, our green finance credentials, our fintech cluster uh, and the talent pools, which while we do tend to focus on Edinburgh and Glasgow, are increasingly we're seeing investment coming into Stirling, uh, into Dundee, uh, Perth, uh, Aberdeen and Inverness. We also had Bark as a big investment in Kilmarnock. So we can start to see some of that investment also um, uh, reaching out at the central belt into, uh, into other areas, which again take advantage of some of the um, strengths that we've got in the university uh, sector. Um, what I would also um, highlight there is around the, uh, Scotland's credentials, but also its ambition around green finance. 
Um, and the fact is that we are doing a piece of work that SFE are convening right now around what should our ambition be on a global basis um, or a global stage for that green finance uh, uh, area, because we do think, particularly with our strength in asset management, that we have got an opportunity to carve out something um, that continues to make Scotland uh, unique and, and, and have a real strength uh, in our sector on a global basis. And then the final one is around value, which is um, uh, you know quality of life uh, versus uh, sorry together with costs uh, to operate. Um, relatively speaking, um, uh, a lot of our firms will also say that um, the cost to operate out of um, out of Scotland is uh, relatively speaking uh, lower than uh, London and many other uh, major cities. Um, but you have that flow of talent, so you've got access uh, uh, to. Um, high-quality uh, talent base, uh, but you can also offer a quality of life to people um, that uh, they may not necessarily uh, get in those larger cities. Uh, obviously, we've got a, a, obviously known uh, for our um, arts and culture, food and drink, um, and also outdoor activity, uh, but we also try and play on the fact that we're a very livable um, uh, community whereby uh, you know, commuting is, is, is a lot easier. Uh, and, and actually, people can move around uh, quite freely. So, what we've also found when some of the overseas banks move jobs here, uh, and also some of the banks uh, from uh, elsewhere, particularly banks, um, what we are finding is that uh, people are moving with those jobs and coming to to live and work uh, here in Scotland. Maybe a couple of final points, and then we'll open up for questions. Uh, I think while we talk about Edinburgh and Glasgow as two centres, um, they are 36 miles apart. Um, uh, and um, uh, you know, it's really important that we continue to develop the connectivity between the two. Uh, so, hopefully, what I've tried to bring alive today is, is that we've got two very strong financial centres here in Scotland, um, each with their own respective strengths. Um, but increasingly, what we're trying to do is market on a global basis um, the strength of putting those two together. Um, and when you fold in the surrounding areas, then actually. We've got a very strong base from which uh, investors would think about coming to, to set up um, and establish a, um, a footprint here in uh, here in Scotland. And then the final thing I would I would just add is that um, obviously this report is is a hugely important uh, for us. Um, but one of the things that we're also trying to do here at SFE is to learn from other centres and how they are developing themselves. Um, and um, you know, just under a year ago, we did some benchmarking, benchmarking with about uh, eight different centres who were more or less in a similar position on the index to, to Edinburgh and Glasgow. Um, and we've learned quite a lot around how they've developed their strategies to compete with, in many cases, um, slightly larger centres uh, relatively nearby. Clearly, we've got London, so we looked at places like Montreal, uh, we looked at places like Milan. Um, we also looked at Busan, um, but also um, looked at places like Dublin and Luxembourg, who have developed a really strong footprint in, in, in particular areas of our sector. So we're always trying to learn. This is why this report is hugely important for us. Um, I, and um, hopefully, what I've tried to do is to bring alive uh, a little bit about financial services here in Scotland and some of the recent developments and where we're going in the future. Um, and with that, Mike, I'll pass you back for questions. Thank you. Well, thank you very much indeed, Sandy, for that you know, great overview. 
um, of where things are and the exciting developments you've you've, you've picked out as we've we've gone through. Um, so we're going to move on to questions. The first one is really for me is um, this whole question of sort of green finance, green green credentials. Do you think the hosting of COP26 has made a difference to the way that people perceive um, you know, Scottish finance? Uh, is that kind of international event? Does that make a difference to how you're seen? Um, it, yes, but I'm, I'm going to I'm going to um, just put a little bit of caveat around it, Mike. I, I would say that um, having an event like COP26 clearly um, brings a lot of focus uh, and did bring a lot of focus in, in, on Glasgow. Um, I think the key is is how the sector responds to that and continues to build post COP26. Um, and I think that uh, you know we've um, we're still working through um, some of the opportunities that come from that, and I think it's important that we maintain that momentum and focus. I mean, there is no doubt that since COP26, we've had a lot of major shocks to the global economy and the UK economy, um, which of course um, can at times present a distraction to some of that focus as well. Uh, and therefore, it's really important that we don't lose sight of that. So. I mentioned um, one of our key strategic themes was around skills and inclusion. One of the, the other, we put forward, but one of the other ones is around journey to net zero um, and the work that we're doing with um, some of our members around uh, trying to really think five to ten years out to say what should Scotland's ambition, Edinburgh Glasgow's ambition be in that ESG space um, and really start to, to um, uh, try and build, build, that, build that out in there. Secondly, I would say is that we um, are also working closely with the UK and the Scottish governments around how do we best address um, that journey to net zero in certain key areas. So, uh, home and buildings and insulation is a good one, for example, which we know is a major, um, a major challenge for the whole of the UK. Um, but how do we best connect our members and their capital with the need, uh, and how do we do that in a way that? Um, uh, works for works for everyone, uh, and so that's quite a big piece of work that we're involved in at the moment. So, answer question is yes, it has, but I think that to really fully build that legacy, we need to continue to work at it. That's great. And um, Kevin Parker, who who, who we know, um, has a sort of follow up question about: Could you comment on the links between the financial sector in Scotland and the focus on renewables, which is you know part of where Scotland's um, you know, industry is developing, you know, solar, tidal, onshore wind, etc. Um, how, how important is that linkage? Um, great question, Kevin. It's really important. One of the things, um, so we um, we do believe that Scotland uh, has two, uh, uh, it's probably got uh, maybe two or three, but certainly two of our real global um, industries, global leading industries, our financial services and our energy sector. Um, and um, increasingly, we're working closely with some of the big energy firms around this just transition. Um, we um, uh, we are collectively making a call on uh, UK and Scottish government to uh, host our financial services and energy summit here in Scotland, um, which would be about how do we best collaborate between governments, the energy industry, and financial services uh, in order to accelerate that uh, that uh, just transition. Um, clearly, there's been, you know, obviously a lot of changes politically over the last few months, um, but we're still hopeful that that will happen between now and the end of the year. So, we are really trying to work hard on how can we connect those two sectors better together, recognising that, you know, um, really it's going to take government policy, it's going to take funding, and it's going to take 
the developments in the renewables uh, uh, and, and, and more broadly uh, the energy sector to really deliver that just transition. Yes, that, that's great. And, and one of the things we know about green finance is that it is still driven by government and policy and regulation. Um, it's not yet uh, fully fully market driven. Um, so I think you're right to pick out that that need. Um, I've got a question here from Abel Abo. He says, uh, thank you, first of all, for sharing your insights about uh, Edinburgh and Glasgow's financial strengths. Um, he says that uh, as a um, someone, someone living in Scotland, but who works in the city of London, um, what's your approach or what's SFC's um, approach to attracting and retaining diverse talents, uh, knowing that the prosperity of Scotland lies in the talents and keeping them in Scotland? Yeah, so, so um, again, really good question. I mean, our, our report that we launched um, at the end of April was deliberately called Skills and Inclusion, um, uh, uh, because we are aiming to address two, two um, connected uh, issues, but different. So one is around the different skills that we need in the industry um, and, and our forecast need over the next three years. But secondly, is, is how do we make the industry much more inclusive? So we did a piece of research at the start of that, which highlighted, certainly particularly amongst young people, that the industry still has a perception that it needs to change. Uh, and the perception continues to be that it is um, for uh, relatively well-educated, um, university-educated graduates, um, uh, use the middle-class background, um, uh, and also uh, predominantly uh, those uh, um, uh, white um, kind of time still be male um, uh, background. So we are really trying to do work uh, in schools. Uh, we do a lot of work um, uh, into secondary schools and into colleges, uh, aiming to change that perception uh, and really try and make sure that when we look back in three years' time, not only have we addressed the skills challenge, but we have also got a much more diverse and inclusive uh, industry as a, uh, as a result of that. Um, so it's a really good point. I think also the point about living in Scotland, working in London, um, where we have seen some benefit, and I think it's, uh, COVID has probably partly accelerated this, is um, firms either moving jobs to Scotland, um, and we've had some examples of that, again, Barclays being a, 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 a big example of that, uh, but other firms as well who have moved jobs uh, to Scotland or allowed people to work in, to Sc in Scotland and maybe work from home two-thirds of the time or three-quarters of the time and be in London for, for four or five days a month. So. That greater flexibility around the um, office working, um, so far anyway, I would say Scotland has been a net uh, benefactor as a result, a result of that change in work patterns. Um, but it also makes commercial sense for some of these businesses as well, um, um, because the you know similar jobs in Scotland would normally cost slightly less than they would in, in, in London. That's great. And um, after the event, we'll, we'll put you in touch with people who've asked questions. So if you want to follow up with Abel um, and persuade him to come back to Scotland to work, then uh, <laughs> you can do so. I've got a, a question here from Matthew Garanta, who um, it follows on quite well to what you've just been saying. Just asking how complete and self-sufficient do you think the financial sector is in London? And are there other things you'd like to see developed so that people don't have to go to London for resources or facilities or for services? as much as it's felt they currently do? So I would say, um, the, I would say we are pretty self-sufficient. Um, the, the one area that I still think that we need to grow a little bit more is in the private equity and that um, early, uh, early investment stage. Um, so um, 
We've uh, part of the Scottish Government strategy is around having a much more entrepreneurial culture, startup uh, business. But you'll find that the, there is still a gap in that funding uh, market, which takes startups and scale-ups. Um, and I think that we still need to do more to attract uh, uh, more into uh, into that area. But I think that uh, beyond that, and I think uh, elsewhere, I think we're pretty pretty self-sufficient. We probably don't talk about it enough, um, and that's something that I think that we are increasingly focusing on: is, is how do we really talk about that strength in the ecosystem? But there's no doubt in that early stage investment, we could we could still do with some uh, additional presence. That's really clear, and uh, that's an invitation, of course, to anyone working in private finance to come and talk to you. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, a question from Alexander McKay, just asking, what proportion of the financial sector in Scotland is Scottish-owned, and what proportion is owned sort of elsewhere in the UK? It's really getting at you know, what proportion of profits, I guess, are you know, into the UK economy or are coming back into the Scottish economy. I really, I'll, I'll need to come back to on that. I mean, I think what I would say, Mike, is we we um, we break our membership, not break our membership down, but we've probably got four different types of members. So we have headquartered firms in Scotland. So NatWest is a good example. Aberdeen's another one, Bailey Gifford. Um, so you've got big firms who are headquartered here. Uh, you then have um, UK businesses that have got significant footprints here in Scotland. So um, you know you've got Lloyd's Banking Group uh, as a good example. Phoenix is another one with uh, you know the standard life business. Um, so you've got um, uh, you've got businesses who have got, as I say, UK businesses that have got significant footprints in, in Scotland. Um, you then have um, um, small um, Scottish, more or less, Scottish businesses that are focused on the Scottish market. So you've got smaller professional services firms. Um, you may have some um, smaller uh, Scottish um, financial services firms, uh, particularly maybe in the wealth space, and uh, etc. Um, uh, and then you've got um, what we say is the larger, large international firms um, that uh, have a significant uh, presence here. So more often than not, that falls into areas like tech and data, etc. So JP Morgan, Morgan Stanley uh, are good examples. Uh, but you've also got State Street, BMY Mellon, uh, you know BNP, etc. All of whom who, um, have got um, good footprints here in, in, uh, in Scotland. But also you, then you've got others like Aegon, for example, who's a Dutch company and Aegon um, uh, as, a, as a, obviously life and pensions business here. So um, we'll see what data we've got. So we'll all come back, um, uh, but it probably breaks down into those sort of four different categories, um, more or less in terms of the bulk of our membership. That's great. Um, Groenbroff has two questions. I'll ask them separately. Uh, the first one, do you have any other feedback on what attracts new international customers? There's obviously the legal and regulatory framework. And just wondering whether the skill base reputation in Scotland is partly built on staff retention, the fact that people stay in specialist careers um, you know, and don't perhaps move around as much as they might in other economies. Um, the, the, the latter point is an interesting one. I mean, there, there's evidence to suggest that, that, that um, um, you know, people do leave Scotland to, to go and work elsewhere in London to progress their career. So we are keen to ensure that we um, try and retain, but also have a, you know, attract higher levels of jobs uh, to, to here in Scotland. I think the skill base uh, point, I think, is um, a lot of that does come down to universities, um, and I think the strength in the, the universities that we um, that we've got. Um, and there was an interesting start two or three months ago, which said that Edinburgh 
for example, has the highest percentage of students that come to Edinburgh that stay in, and so come to the university and then stay. Um, and, and a lot of that's to do with the, the broader quality of life um, uh, point that I was trying to make. Uh, so, you know, um, students will come to study in Edinburgh and then will stay in, in or want to stay in Edinburgh to, to, to live, and, uh, live and work. So the skill one, I think, linked to that uh, quality of life is a, is a key uh, key aspect uh, uh, for us. People moving around, I think that um, uh, you know, th there's. I can assure you that there are firms that we've got who are experiencing high levels of uh, turnover at the moment. Um, some of that's within sector, um, but likewise, you know, we. What we're also finding is that some of the skills that we've now got in our sector are hugely attractive to other sectors as well. So the transferable nature of a lot of these skills, particularly the tech and data space, are hugely transferable out of our industry into many other industries. I think that it's an important point across you know, all financial centres I'm talking to is the whole point that financial skills are only part of the story and digital skills and data skills are increasingly important across all aspects of finance and uh, you know, the skill base needs to reflect that, um, not only for the um, finance, financial economy, but also the wider economy. Uh, just about everywhere in the world, is the, that's the message we're hearing. Um, Graham's second question is just about where Dundee sits uh, in the picture, saying it's obviously very proud of its financial you know, sector and background and history, but just wondering whether it will still be a major player in 20 years or whether the central belt will really dominate um, and you know, draw, draw activity in. Um, so I think time will tell. I mean, what you've seen is some recent investments in fintech space um, up in Dundee. So the, the, the um, you know they've got the, um, the, the, the you know the development along the waterfront, the, the, the technology uh, centre that they, they've developed, and um, on the former Michelin Tire site as well as another interesting development. Um, so I think that what you start to see is is money flowing into Dundee. You had Boys acquisition of Embark, which um, it happened a few months ago. Um, they're running that as a separate entity. They're putting a lot of money into Dundee and the skills system to grow that business. Um, so, you know, you, you, um, I'm hopeful that Dundee will actually create its own space in the in the ecosystem, um, and that uh, you know you'll see that um, uh, you'll see that investment investment continue. I, I think it's important. I think our industry also needs to play its part in regeneration. Um, uh, and I think uh, you know it, it's you can see the impact of the Barclays and J.P. Morgan and the other investments in Glasgow and, and the Six Centre. Um, and Dundee needs that regeneration as well. And uh, uh, as a sector, I think that we've got an opportunity to play our part in in helping Dundee's ongoing uh, regeneration as a city. Mm -hmm. We're sort of getting towards the end of the session, so please, um, if you have any further questions to put in, uh, please do um, put them in. Uh, Kevin Parker has commented, of course, that Dundee University has a global reputation in medical research, and early stage and um, early stage investors are certainly going uh, to look at what's going on there. Um, Abel Abel has come back with a second, another comment and question, um, just saying it would be nice to see deeper collaboration with the Data Lab Scotland and between the Data Lab and SFE as regards data skills in the financial services sector across both cities. I don't know, it's more of a comment than a question, but anything to add to that? Yeah, so um, uh, the, uh, the answer is yes, and we're in conversations with um, Smart Data Foundry at the moment, actually, about how we can take forward that collaboration. Um, you've already had a couple of, um, like NatWest, for example, who are doing quite a lot with Edinburgh University in that data space. So you've got some of our larger members who are investing uh, in, uh, in, in that capability. 
uh, but we're looking at how uh, we as SFE can uh, better connect with um, some of the work that's happening at the university. I, I can see Edinburgh University will be quite a key partner for us uh, going forward. Um, uh, so those conversations are live as we speak. Um, personally, I was interested to hear you describe in your introduction about the uh, work you've done talking to other cities that are kind of smaller cities as satellites of you know, larger uh, larger centres. Um, and just the point of, you know, does having London in the same regulatory um, jurisdiction, does it help or hinder the Scottish finance, do you think? It's a bit of both, Mike. I, I, I mean, I think that, um, and I say that as in the sense that we benefit from undoubtedly having London as, as you know, it comes out consistently number two. Um, so you are, you've got a very strong asset and we are very keen to make sure that when we are um, talking to overseas investors and, and firms that are looking to set up that we can bring a message. We do quite a lot of work with City UK now about how can we bring a message about the collective strength of the sector here in the UK, because actually your reasons for going to London are probably going to be different than your reasons to go to Glasgow, for example, and actually it's in all our interests to better connect and collaborate uh, on that. Um, yes, sometimes the conversation around financial, uh, financial services it sometimes feels as though it stops and starts inside the M25. So you know you get that um, you get that impression. But we you know we're we are as a as a trade body are, are you know I think we're getting cut through with our message about you know being the next largest centre outside of London and South East. And actually we've got different threads that we can bring to to that. And, and therefore we're doing more and more in London as a result of that. But we do benefit on so overall I would say we we're a net benefit of having London there. And that's kind of the message we heard from some of the other centres that we spoke to, you know, whether they were close to, you know, whether it was Boston being close to New York or, you know, Montreal to Toronto or Busan to, to Seoul, etc. Uh, actually, they had, they had all managed to carve out a, a position for themselves um, that also allowed them to take advantage of um, that sort of bigger centre nearby. So I still think we've still got some work just to, around the narrative and how do we do that. But I think uh, that's, that's going to be a focus for us. That's super. So we're c c coming to the end and you know, thank you, Sandy, for that engagement. We will pass on uh, details of uh, people who ask questions. So that if there's further follow up, uh, you can take that forward. Um, so it's down to me to bring the session to a close. First of all, um, thanks to our sponsors again. Um, they do support us at the FS Club in uh, running these series of webinars and we are extremely grateful for their continued uh, support. Uh, looking forward, um, we've got some uh, events uh, coming up in the diary. Uh, Monday, um, avoiding fin financial crises. Um, and I think uh, Mr. Kwateng may, maybe should have attended that one before uh, giving his mini budget, we'll, we'll see. Um, on the, uh, Wednesday next week, personal data, looking at the new charitable economic asset. Um, on Thursday, uh, looking at American foreign policy um, and uh, Monday the 17th, satellite-based sustainability data. Um, so a really engaging and wide-ranging set of uh, events coming up over the next week or so. Um, it just remains for me to offer some thanks. Um, first of all, to the audience, uh, thank you very much for your participation and attendance today. As I said, a recording of the uh, session will be up uh, online on our site within uh, 24, 48 hours. Uh, please do share it with others who you think might be interested. Um, but really, mainly my task is to thank Sandy uh, for a stimulating presentation and engagement with the uh, the answers. Normally, Sandy, in a, 
uh, event, we'd have a round of applause. Uh, instead, you're going to have to make do with a very small uh, round of applause from me. Um, but really, it has been a, a very engaging session. Uh, thank you very much. Um, and we look forward to uh, continuing to work with uh, SFE going forward. Thank you very much. Thanks, Mike. Thank you very much.